Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach and motivational speaker who has a passion for helping women who need a second win. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Effortless Happiness, How to Find Your Voice and Finally Ask for What You Really Want. She studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, and is a fully certified coach in his program. Also, she has served as an assistant in his training programs. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted thousands of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you to get your second wind. Now here's your host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. How are you today? I'm so glad that you've chosen to be with us today because we're going to have an awesome show. Um, my guest is really a special woman. But before I get into that, I wanted to share with you something that I've been working on. You know, it's it's always a challenge. We're always creating new things to bring and help you all that are going through your second wind. And so one of the things I'm working on is my first program. And so I just wanted to share that that is coming down the way, uh, probably two months. But when it's here, I'm going to share with you again about the opportunity that you can have for us to work deeper with each other. So let me get tell you about our guest today. This special woman is a relationship consultant. She's a mediator and a speaker. Dr. Roberta Shaler is a Ph.D., The relationship help doctor is how she's referred to sometimes, provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis. Her mission is to help people stop tolerating abuse. Even the United States Marines have sought her help. Dr. Shaler focuses on helping the partners, exes, and the adult children of the relentlessly difficult people she has called the hijackals to stop the crazy making and save their sanity. Author of 16 books, including Escaping the Hijackal Trap and Stop That Crazy Making. She hosts three podcasts, um, Emotional Savvy, Save Your Sanity, and Focus on Forward. She also has a YouTube channel, and there she is known for, for relationship help and has reached over 200,000 viewers. So welcome. I am so thrilled that you are with us today, Dr. Roberta. Oh, thank you, Joyce. It's my pleasure to be with you. Well, you have sort of introduced a new word to us, and I'm so curious to know about that word. What What is a, a sh- high shackle? A hijackle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't um, even see it right, did I? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, oh, let me just give you a little history. You know, my doctorate's in psychology, and what I noticed was people who were really being troubled by difficult people in their lives were going to the Internet and putting in what was happening to them, and then they would get back a psychological term, and then they would take it as a diagnosis. And that's just not healthy or accurate. So I created the term hijackal so that we could talk about the patterns, the traits, and the cycles of these difficult people without 
making a psychological diagnosis. So my definition of a hijackal is a person who hijacks the relationship for their own purposes and then relentlessly scavenges it for power, status, and control. Mm. Yeah. So these are the people that you would fall generally under the the uh, umbrella psychologically of narcissists, psychopaths, sociopaths, histrionics, passive aggressives, and borderlines. But that really doesn't matter because those terms are are convenient if somebody is needing a diagnosis for a reason. <laughs> but yeah. what we need yeah. to know is that hijackals all drink from the same pool of traits, no matter what diagnosis may be uh. Uh, termed to them. It doesn't matter because their patterns, traits, and cycles are just in different amounts and different severities. Right. Yeah. Uh, I know that that from the information you shared with me that uh, the exposure to these personalities, the hijackals, hijackals, I'm going to say it in the right in a minute, um, they really are introduced into your life pretty early, aren't they? Would you share with well, us your they, story? They, well, they may they may or not be interesting in your life early. I mean, it, it may be the first time you've met one when you're in your adult life, ah, um, and then okay. you don't recognize them because mm-hmm. they they look wonderful and you're a good, healthy, functioning person, and you think, oh well, they're just. Um, they need a little more love or they need a little more attention or they've had a bad childhood or they're going through a rough patch or we find ways as healthy people to give them a little attitude and to let them demonstrate to us who they really are and we justify and make excuses and rationalize their behavior for too long. But Mm -hmm. if we have been raised in a home where there is hijackal behavior, then we are going to be a little inured to it. We are going to be um, comfortably uncomfortable with the familiarity of meeting it again in another person when we're adults. Mm -hmm. So if that's happened in our early life, then we are going to be what I call hijackal bait. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Set out to attract a hijackal. But if you if we're totally unaware and yet we end up in a marriage or a relationship with a hijackal, we must have the symptoms that were developed in early life, or could they dislike no, me because I'm no. nice? <laughs> no, you may not have any symptoms that were ever developed, um, but they like you because you're nice. They may like you because they sense that you will try to please them. They may like you because they think you're pliable and resistant, uh, resilient, and they can mold you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may think that you will believe their sob stories and their terrible difficulties, and that will become the dynamic in the relationship. So oh. there are all kinds of ways that you might enter into a relationship with one, and all of them will be quite unwitting. All of them will be quite unwitting? Unwitting. You Unwitting? won't recognize what's happening to you. Uh, you will go in thinking yes. that this is, this is, a, oh, this is wonderful. 
this person seems to know me so well. This person wants to please me. This person loves me. I mean, here's an example, Joyce. If you go on a date with somebody and they say, I just know we're going to get married. Well, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> because that's what a hijackle does. They don't want to waste any time on you. They want to get you as quickly as possible. So they set it up so that you believe that, oh, my goodness, he's, you know, this person, male or female, because there are equal numbers of male and female hijackles, this mm. person, they know. They know something, and I feel so flattered, and I feel so wanted and desired and desirable. And so it disinhibits us to think, whoa, that could be a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, how does one know other than like the immediate overzealous, I love you dearly today and I just met you. Um, how would one know when she is actually, he or she, have actually encountered a hijackal? <laughs> well, I don't oh, know about an encounter. <laughs> I I can't tell you too much about an encounter because they are such chameleons that an encounter can be the most exciting event of your week. But Mm -hmm. if you happen to be developing a relationship with one, the kinds of things that will show up is you will begin to notice that in all things, they have to be right and Mm. they have to quote unquote win. So, you know, if, in the beginning, they will they will dampen that. They will say, oh, where would you like to go? Oh, I just want to please you. Oh, that would make you happy. Let's do that. But mm-hmm. when you get to the place of, all right, they've got you, right? Mm-hmm. Like I write about this and escaping the hijackle trap. When you get to the gotcha part, <laughs> then all of a sudden there's, there's this diminishing thing where they, oh, all right, I acquired new supply. That's what we call it. I acquired new supply. I think I've got them hooked. Okay, now I can treat them any way I like. Hmm. And so at that moment, what you're going to see, and maybe that's the question that needs answering here, you're going to see things like this absolute need to win that I mentioned. So they're Mm -hmm. always going to be right. You say something and they say, oh, no, that's not right. Um, You recall an event and they say, absolutely not, that's not the way it happened. Um, you say, you know, you said this yesterday, and they'll say, you don't listen very well, do you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So they have this absolute need to win. Mm-hmm. And then then they have these out-of-proportion responses to things. So you might say, you know, I don't think I want to go to that on Friday night. An innocuous statement. You didn't even say you didn't want to go. You just said, I don't think I want to go. And mm-hmm. they go off like a Roman candle. You never want to go anywhere with me. I can't count on you for anything. You're the most terrible person. And ah. you're, you're, you're left completely stunned. Like all I said was, I don't think I want to go on Friday night. And now all of a sudden you're the scum of the earth. It can't be counted on, unreliable, and uh, I've lost all interest in you. And that's because of a third thing that I call a hallmark of a hijackal, which is in order to protect themselves, they engage in what we call all or nothing or black and white thinking. Mm -hmm. So when you're pleasing them, 
you are the best thing that ever happened to them. But blink and don't please them or even suggest they may not be the best thing since sliced bread. And now you're the scum of the earth. Mm. There isn't any middle ground. You are either wonderful or terrible, but there's no middle ground. Oh. So they don't, they can't kind of like you. It's like, um, you, um, I, you know, I experienced, uh, a similar situation in my marriage and uh there were in the early it was very very happy for i'm saying like 10 years and then all of a sudden right. it changed now how could it have gone that long and then all of a sudden changed well is that a normal things it it's so, it happens frequently you know when their needs are generally being met and maybe mm-hmm. they're in a growth phase in their career or something and yes. if it's meeting their needs and they're focused on that, then they have the adequate supply. So they're not uh, terribly concerned. Now, and that's, a, that's someone who's not an extreme hijackal at that time. But mm-hmm. then perhaps they get to a level of accomplishment or they get some status and mm-hmm. now they turn on you. Yes. And now all of a sudden you're not good enough supply. They need an upgrade. So they start telling you all the things that are wrong with you, and then they add that they never liked any of those things. Uh-huh. So it's an age and stage um, opportunity. You know, sometimes that's what happens. I've had people, Joyce, who thought that they had met their soulmate forever, and even on the very wedding night, the hijackle turned. <gasps> oh, no. I've, I've had... Yes, and I've had other people who've had three or four years of marriage and just little indications that things were going Mm -hmm. sideways or were uncomfortable, and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden it went. And, you know, maybe you're describing uh, 10 years of that. I've had Mm -hmm. that. I've heard of that before, too. And usually it's in that building phase, building of career, building of family, lots of distractions. Getting more mm-hmm. supply. I mean, what what makes the hijackal happy? Getting more supply. So have a baby. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and then you are prized if you're female while you're pregnant because look what I did, says the hijackal. <laughs> Aren't I wonderful? We're going to have a baby. He or she agreed to have a baby with me. And then the baby comes and look at the baby, look at the baby. And then all of a sudden at home it's like, you spend too much time looking at the baby. You've forgotten about me. I'm going to have to go and find myself more supply. Mm, yeah. Right? So on the yes. outside, the thing we need to know about hijackles is that you get validated for how you're useful and make them look good. Mm. And you won't be validated for what you think, feel, need, or want. Mm-hmm. Mm. So. When you look at at that as a broad generality, Joyce, you realize that as long as you're making them look good, you're keeping them happy, and you are um, meeting their needs for approval, particularly in public, Mm -hmm. you're going to be validated for that. But should you say, I'm not happy, Hijackal says, well, that's your own fault. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and here's ten yeah. ten reasons, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it's 
it's very difficult to get your head around it often, especially in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you can't believe people behave like this if you haven't had one in your life before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, I find so many times it's difficult in knowing when enough is enough. You know, when you've gone through the therapist and uh, for a woman to make that decision when she's had enough and it's a decision to do I stay or leave, um, those old mind games that we keep running through our mind, if I, you know, if I would love more, if I would be more, if I just do it better, uh, I would say that's a pretty common tune for a woman that's married or vice versa uh, to a hijackal. Oh, it is, yes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. And, and it's a bit startling and it, it, and it catches you off guard. And a, a person who is maybe a little insecure or even a very healthy person on that range will immediately look at themselves and say, what's my contribution to this relationship? And they'll examine themselves. That's very healthy. But mm-hmm. then, if if you have low self-esteem or if you have been raised to just be valuing the opinion of others over your own opinion of yourself, then right. you will start to try and turn yourself into a pretzel to get that person to like you and maybe to love you and approve of you, and they're dedicated to not doing that. Ah. Well, they're little stinkers, aren't they? Well, they just don't <laughs> want to play. Nice. Yeah, right. some people will meet this, will meet a uh, hijackal not in the home, but they'll they'll meet them in the workplace. How does yeah. someone handle one in the workplace? Oh, good question, Joyce, because there you don't have control. And mm. so you, there are many ways that that shows up. You know, one of the books that I wrote was called Wrestling Rhinos, Conquering conflict in the wilds of work. Oh, that's and, funny. What a great title. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. And, and so we need to, um, to be a little circumspect at work. We need to watch. We need to observe. We need to see, are they just, um, searching me out and trying to cut, just be difficult to me? Or are they generally difficult? What's really going on? So you have to stand back a little bit, get out mm-hmm. of your feelings, and observe what's actually going on. And you do that yeah. for a little while, and you keep your ear to the ground and hear what the gossip is. And then you you begin to understand, is it personal to me, or are they picking people here and there? Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that a hijackal needs to do is to paint a public picture of perfection and then they will choose particular relationships to create a private place of pain. So they single people out in an office, just like they bring somebody home and get in a relationship with them and keep them at home. <laughs> They've yeah. got their person that they are going to be nasty to. Mm-hmm. They have the person they're going to control, and they have the person that they're going to take power over. So you need to observe in the workplace to see, am I the victim here? Am I the lucky prey for this predator? (laughs) Or are they generally nasty? Is anybody else talking about them? Are other people rolling their eyes? What's going on? 
Is mm-hmm. my supervisor noticing this, or is my supervisor being manipulated and charmed by the hijackal? Mm-hmm. You know, another thing that happens in the workplace is hijackals. You know, I, I was speaking at a couple of years ago at the California HR conference on this topic, and uh, in the middle of, of the session, a person put up their hand and said, well, what happens to them in the workplace? <laughs> and I said, brace, brace yourself. They get promoted. Oh. The reason, the reason they get promoted is that they wear out their welcome in a, in a department Mm-hmm. So someone wants to get rid of them, so they give them a lateral or a vertical move. So hijackals have a horrible tendency of working through an organization like a reverse pinball. Yeah. They start at the bottom, and they just get pushed up to the top, and they get more and more power as people try to get rid of them. Mm. And so that happens. Another thing that happens is... Hijackals have a high rate of wanting to be an entrepreneur because they don't want to work for anybody else or be told what to do. So you will find yourself in an organization that's run by hijackals who have hijackal cronies who mm-hmm. think that the hijackal likes them. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, one, one thing about a hijackal is a hijackal will demand loyalty but never give it. You are never secure that you have the loyalty of a hijackal, but they will demand your loyalty, and you will see that in an organization. Hmm. So observing what's going on, Joyce, is the first place, and then find out if you're just the lucky recipient of all of this Hmm. pain or if it's being spread around. And then you have to document what's going on over time. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, in real if, real time, you can you can say something to the person. You can say, um, "I feel disrespected right now," or "I had that on time," and they say, "No, you didn't." And you say, "Well, you know, I don't agree with what you're saying. What was true for me is this: you have to learn to make statements." So, what was your question, Trudy? Uh would they, if you're left in a position where you have to have conversations like that, calling and covering yourself all the time, and they're in charge of promoting you, don't you eventually have to make that decision to stay or go? Or do yes. you tolerate it until he gets promoted or she gets promoted? Well, you can tolerate it until they get promoted or until they implode. Now, they often <laughs> implode. Because uh-huh. they get, they think they're the smartest person in any room at any time. And so mm-hmm. they will overstep. And that's the moment of implosion. They will go too far. Uh-huh. And at that moment, everybody sees. And uh-huh. uh, then their demise is in place. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I, you know, sometimes I wonder, um, we have a new president of a college here and uh, he's followed a very sensitive person at the college, but I found in his trying to take on leadership um, and I don't, don't really know the man very much, but uh, I just see that he is, his total leadership is so different from the other man and he goes through people so fast. I mean, I think everybody's turned over at that college. 
So it just kind of makes me think. I think that he may be a hijackal. (laughs) Well, it very well may be. I mean, you just said the key word, Joyce, turnover. I mean, look at places where you get turnover all the time. And the person who is making that turnover happen is likely a hijackal because they're saying, I don't like you today, or you're not loyal enough, or I want rid of you, or I need to make a statement and feel powerful today, so I'm getting rid of you. And not only am I getting rid of you, I'm writing you a bad report, and it'll all be a lie, but go ahead, see if you can Mm -hmm. fight it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that's the hijackal nature. Yeah. Yeah, there was a uh, situation that happened, and this is another um, reason that I'm thinking that might be his his, um, personality is a hijackal, is that there was a position, and she had like six months to retire, and he just released her. And I I don't know, you'd want somebody with compassion, wouldn't you, before you release somebody? Um, well, you, like that. you won't find any compassion in a hijackal. There is no, no compassion because there is no empathy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that yeah. you can almost imagine that person ringing, you know, clapping their hands in delight as they're saying, oh, look, I can ruin the rest of their lives. Yeah. They, yeah. Will, they will not retire with their full pension. Oh, isn't that too bad? If they hadn't said what they said to me the other day, everything would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Right? But they did yeah. say it, and I have power, and bam, you're gone. Yeah. Yes. How in their mind, I know they don't need to justify, I would think, but how in their mind do they just sit with that? Is that, again, a black and white decision? They don't, they just do it? Well, no, the only thing that they're thinking of, and now, now let me let me go back and give a little, this is a good spot to give some understanding. Um, something happened to these people when they were very young, usually in their first two years of life. So it was before they had language. And so what they learned was they were, they were totally unsafe and they were quite ashamed. They weren't welcomed by joy into the world. And if they, if they were wanted, they were neglected emotionally. Things happened to them. And so they, if we put it in a, in a pile, we would call it the shame pile. They, they were deeply shamed for who they are, the fact that they take up space and draw breath. And so that is what causes this crusty exterior uh, that yeah. says, nobody is going to shame me ever again. I will be on top of the pile all the time, which yeah. is why they can say something today. They can say black is white today to win, and tomorrow they'll say black is red. And then someone will say to them, but yesterday you said black was white. And they'll say, yeah. well, that's, that's ridiculous. I would never say anything like that. Perhaps you had a difficulty yesterday in remembering. And it will yeah. be your fault instantly. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm going to stop you here because we need to go to break. But that is so interesting. And when we come back, let's continue with this conversation. So we'll be back. Motivational coach, motivational speaker, and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? 
during an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. TokiNet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discount you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash Joyce, J-O-Y-C-E, to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of my show through TogiNet Radio. We have negotiated special rates at over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, sign up, and enjoy the discounts. This is BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, J-O-I-C-E. Welcome back to this segment of Second Win. Joyce Buford, the author of Effortless Happiness, continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Thanks for coming back. As you know, we are talking with Dr. Roberta Shaler today, and she has introduced us to a new word. It's called a hijackle. And so we have been discussing this personality trait, I guess you would say, or person. And we were just talking about the hijackle functioning in a business environment. And so now we'd like to go back and and talk about that person operating in a relationship, a personal relationship. So, Dr. Roberta, I have, let's say I am now... um, fully in love with this hijackal, which I don't even know he is. That's what I call it, would call him that. But he's just won my heart. And so we are have walked down the aisle and we've lived together as a relationship. And then the relationship turns and it changes. And uh, we're not quite sure why nor where or what happened. But in an effort to save the relationship, we reach out to therapists. And um, so I know in my relationship, we went to three different therapists, but nobody mentioned 
anything about my hijackal. Nobody mentioned about that personality. So how how can that happen? I mean, that nobody would notice that, and yet we're going crazy thinking, what's wrong with me? Because that's what I'm hearing. Great question. I'm so glad you asked because it's so important to recognize that a hijackal is a person who is looking to win, so that means power over, and that means power over the therapist, and they're endlessly confident that they can manipulate, lie, deceive, seduce, exploit a therapist, Mm -hmm. and they're often successful (laughs) because therapists are not seeing this on a regular basis. Now, for me, I have clients all over the world because I work through video conferencing for this very reason, Joyce. There's so many Mm. people come to me and they said, just as you did, I've been to three therapists. And every time we go and I'm hopeful that they'll see what's going on in my home, I end up being told that I should be better and it's my fault and we work on my issues rather Mm. than have the hijackal be exposed. Mm -hmm. And that is very common. You know, mm-hmm. it, some, you need to interview therapists to find out what their uh, experience and expertise is in actually identifying these kinds of patterns, traits, and cycles. You need to be quite upfront with them and interview them well. I even have a, a an hour on my a program on my website that says how to choose the right therapist. Because it, it's something that you really need to be aware of and know that you have the right to ask therapists these questions to mm-hmm. see uh, if they can really help you. So it is far too common in my practice to hear people who have been to several professionals who didn't address it, didn't see it, and took the side of the hijackal, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, what was so interesting about this is I had been going to this therapist and I just assumed we could continue with her with marriage therapy. And, uh-huh. um, and, and no, uh, I, I don't, she was not equipped. Um, but I didn't know that, you know, and then you know what, it all, what, what, go ahead. Sorry, what intrigues, what intrigues me about that is what was she actually hearing when you were her client? What was she actually taking note of? Was I have she no hearing idea. You? Right. Mm. Was she hearing mm. you say, this is what it's like to live at my house? And You know, I have that- to kind of t- uh, say that I'm not sure I knew what was happening to explain um, ah. the you know, there was alcohol in this, in the family. There was all of this just, uh, craziness. I don't know how to explain mm-hmm. it other than craziness and a lot of blame and shame going on. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, so I, in all fairness to her, I'm not even sure I said those words, you know. Well, you, uh, you may not have. Yeah. Right. But the the thing is, don't take on, I mean, that's kind of you to take that on. But, but <laughs> that's typical, it, isn't it, it, it? Of a partner of a tackle. Really, the therapist should have been able to extract that information from you. Yeah. Right? See, like, I what is really years. going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So you just got into a situation where 
um, a therapist probably thought it was typical. Like, we have to give some latitude because, you know, if you go to a medical doctor and Mm -hmm. you appear to have cold symptoms, they're going to look for pneumonia or bronchitis Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that's the most common thing that's going to happen. And so they're going to look for that and they're going to treat for that. And then when you go back four months later and you still have the problem, then they may wake up and look at lung disease. But they're going to look at the obvious and the usual first. And so the same thing kind of happens uh, for people who are in the therapeutic realm who may not see that every day, may think that as you describe things that they can say, oh, well, here's the fix to that, but they don't realize with whom they're dealing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, this. Uh, how, what are some of the questions that you ask when considering? I mean, if you were just going to the phone book, or if you were call, asking a friend, would you? How would you even select to uh, a therapist that might be um, a marriage therapist, or be one of those that are just really willing to step up up to the edge of the problem? Well, is there a way of knowing uh, that? Pardon? Is there a way of knowing that? Well, what you need to know is that you have to ask questions such as, you know, um, what's happening in our relationship is that I'm always at fault. I can never be right. My partner never takes responsibility for anything he or she does. It's always my fault. Um <laughs> I I never feel understood. I don't feel like my partner's interested in my feelings or my thoughts or anything at all. He just seems to want power over me. (laughs) When you learn to describe things like that to a therapist you're interviewing, then you say, have you had experience in dealing with this? And what do you think um, those things add up to? And you, you can, you know, the therapist will probably say, well, every person's different and I don't know your partner. But then you have to say, but no, does this sound like something that that you recognize, that these patterns are things that you recognize? And mm-hmm. if they can't say yes, but I, I also have to meet the person, then I would move on. Yeah. Because it, yeah. if you describe those things and they cannot see them as a cluster of things that are symptomatic to being in a relationship with a hijackal, you could spend a long time trying to put something out there and the hijackal will come into the therapeutic process with the intent to manipulate, deceive, and seduce the therapist into believing their point of view. And you right. know they're very charming. Yes. And, you know, they will, they're very articulate and they will be whomever the therapist wants them to be. They've got the therapist number in an instant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've yeah. had situations, in fact, I can think of one that might be a good example to talk about where my client and I had a meeting with the the ex and their therapist in my office. Oh. And, and I, I thought that was wonderful that they were willing to meet. And mm-hmm. in California, where I live, we live in a two-party consent state so I would I asked if I could record the proceedings and of course the answer was no. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. we proceeded. And, you know, I realized that the therapist was completely dependent on the wealthy client that he had, which was a woman. My, my client was a man. Mm-hmm. And he was dependent on her because her family had endless funds to engage mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And so when she lied, he lied. Oh. And so, you know, I got to a place where I finally said, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to write down what you said when the therapist spoke and when the other person spoke. And then mm-hmm. I would read it back and say, is that what you said? And they would say yes. And then 10 minutes later, they'd refute that. And I'd say, let me go back to the one that you said yes to. Now I uh-huh. hear you saying the opposite. Oh, my goodness, you would have thought that I'd, I'd thrown the switch for an atom bomb. I mean, they were mm. out of there in an instant. Like, how dare you? And what are you saying? Are you saying we don't call the truth? <laughs> said, well, I, think, I think this is the problem you're having in court. And I think uh-huh. we are seeing the problem right here in this room. And that's what goes on. Right. It's just like yeah. attorneys, Joyce. A hijackal mm-hmm. will fire attorneys until they get either a totally passive one who will do anything they say and that the attorney is afraid of them, or they will fire attorneys until they get one who is a hijackal, and then they Ah, can yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Now, I have to ask this question for that woman that is trying to make the decision to go or stay. Is the hijackal curable? In other words, no. can you cure them? Can you improve their situation in any way? Well, there there are some people, and it's a small number, people who were raised by hijackals, who mm-hmm. behave like hijackals, but don't have any other tools in their toolkit. And sometimes I can give them some tools. It takes a long time. They have to work with me for months and months. But sometimes I can give them some tools that will provide some relief in the relationship, and it might be enough. But that is so rare. Remember, these people are deeply shamed. Therefore, they have to believe that they are always right and they have no fault. So everything else is someone else's fault, even the weather and the IRS. So they are not likely to be able to entertain the idea that they have any need to change. So when they do come in with a partner, which they often do, you know, someone will contact me and they'll say, you know, I've read your work and I think this is what's happening. How do I work with you? And I say, well, you know, if you want to work with me as a couple, we'll soon find out what's going on. And often the hijackal um, has has the control of the finances. So mm-hmm. I work in packages of eight or sixteen sessions. So the person, the couple will come in. If the person is a hijackal, truly died in the wool hijackal, they will explode and disappear. And then I work with the remaining partner, and then it's all paid for, and they can get the help they need. Um, mm-hmm. because hijackals will agree to go to therapy. And then if they can't manipulate the therapist, they will, of course, make the therapist wrong, everybody wrong, psychological, 
the existence of psychological principles wrong, <laughs> and mm-hmm. make them, mm-hmm. make themselves right. So, so that that is the seer goal question. It can begin by coming in as a couple, but it can also be one person who comes to see me, and we look at the traits and patterns, and say, you know, at what level does this um, amount to emotional abuse that you can actually say, yes, that's what I'm experiencing. And at what level do you believe you deserve to live in a situation that is emotional abuse? And how shall we replace those beliefs and that mindset and change your skill set and help you to make a healthier decision? Mm. Yes, a lot of heartache in that decision. Well, yes, because we, you know, we, we were swept off our feet by a hijackle. Yeah. And we want to believe that we made a good choice and we want to believe that that person who swept us off our feet was real. But the fact Mm -hmm. is that person is not coming back unless they really, really want something. They'll come back for a hot minute (laughs) and they're not real. The person you're dealing with every day is the real person. Hmm. Well, what happens? I'm going to take this a little further. What happens in the development of the children that are in that marriage? Hmm. Well, unfortunately, as I had mentioned earlier, <laughs> if children are raised in an environment where there is a lot of hijackal behavior, the mm-hmm. children are deeply affected by it at a very early age before they have language. And then as they wake up and begin to individuate, you know, there's a certain moment in development where a child realizes that they're no longer part of their mother, and we Mm -hmm. call that individuation. And then we have other kinds of individuation along with different stages of brain growth. And so when the parietal lobes and the prefrontal lobes start to develop, the child has already had so much information about who they are, which is given to them by the way their parents behave toward them. Uh And also by observing the way their parents behave toward them and toward each other. Uh And they have learned so many things that are tucked in there um, that it's very detrimental to have a hijackal parent. Uh Mm-hmm. And the child loves the hijackal parent because the hijackal parent is one half of their DNA and the child has a biological imperative to realize they need those those uh, giants in order to survive. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we start right. to m- morph ourselves into whatever the hijackal will approve of. Right. Yeah. Or we become resistant to it and we stand up to it and the hijackal gets more and more angry and dismissive. And if they happen to have a tendency toward physical violence, that's when it'll show up. <clears throat> yeah. So it's a now, very sad situation. I'm not understanding one thing that you're saying, that it, that they're getting, they're picking up, children are picking up on their parents, the hijackal <clears throat> personality before they can speak. So I, I'm not mm-hmm. understanding, is it through energy, through uh, well, loving, for cuddling? It, I mean, but, 
touch. Yes, it, it's whether or not I'm loved just because I take up space and breathe, or do I have to do something cute or brilliant? You know, uh-huh. a child knows that they're welcomed with joy, as my colleague Gary Salyer says. You know, if a child is welcomed by joy, they have the full attention of their parents. They're uh, loved just because yeah. they sit there. They don't have to do anything. The mm-hmm. parent is uh, completely loving and accepting of them, and they make good choices for them. They protect them. They love them. They don't expect anything unreasonable and age-inappropriate from them. But mm-hmm. if you have a hijackal parent, the hijackal parent is all about, I'm not going to bother with you unless you make me feel good. So if the baby is crying and not smiling, the hijackal yeah. parent says, I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Right? That's no mm-hmm. good. Right. Yeah. So those those things are messages to the child. No eye contact, being left in a bed. The parent always stands up when they talk to a tiny child. If you want to communicate with a small child, get on your knees and get down to their eye level. Uh, yeah. You know, it's always an up-down <laughs> interaction. Uh-huh. Do, as, uh-huh. do as I say and not as I do. Don't bother me. I am the king of the castle. You will do it my way. All of those messages are very difficult for children yeah. to have healthy growth. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see that now. Um, before, as we move on and we're coming closer to the end of the hour, I really want my listeners to know how to find you. You have so many opportunities that to help people <laughs> through your podcasts. Um, tell us about your podcast first. Sure. I have, uh, right now I have two and the third one is starting in the fall. Mm-hmm. So Emotional Savvy is a, an interview show about all aspects of dealing with trouble in relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that's the relationship with yourself or the relationship with parents or partner or whomever. So it's mm-hmm. a broad reaching one. And the other podcast is called Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships. That's <laughs> mostly me and a few expert guests that I, I interview occasionally. And there I am giving all the kinds of things that you and I are talking about. Every week it's a different topic about how to manage these toxic relationships, uh, how to get your life back, what you need to do, what are the strategies, whether you're making the should I go, should I stay situation, you're Mm -hmm. going to court, you're in a co-parenting situation. Um, Those are the two that are there. And my YouTube channel is called For Relationship Help. And there I have hundreds of videos. I also, every Monday evening at 6 p.m. Pacific, I do a live stream so for one hour, we talk about a topic. People have the opportunity to ask their questions, share their experience. Oh, yeah. And so so that's an opportunity to jump in there. I also mm-hmm. have a membership program, and that's at OptimizeCircles.com. And you can also find it on my website. Just hit Circles at ForRelationshipHelp.com. And uh-huh. I have three levels of membership. And, you know, the thing about that, Joyce, is that I created it completely off social media. So it's completely safe because mm-hmm. people who are with hijackles, hijackles have a nasty tendency to make up false profiles and go into Facebook groups and things like that. Oh. So my membership is entirely on my website at the 
the first level, what I call the support level, you can engage just like you can on Facebook in different groups mm -hmm. and you can be in the discussion threads, but it's well away from the prying eyes of social media. So that's oh, that is so smart. Circle. I like that, mm -hmm. Dr. Roberta. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> no, thank you. I, I think it's important, really important. It is. It's fairly new. So now is a very good time to get in on it because it's in its infancy and uh, very inexpensive right now, which is going to change um, as soon as we get to a certain number of members. So mm -hmm. now is the which, time to join there. The, is that the lower, the lowest? You have three different memberships, right? I have three, three levels of membership. Three and levels, the first, yes. Yeah, the, the first level is um, the um, support level, which means you mm -hmm. can engage in the discussion. You can get my six-week home study program that comes by email over six weeks. It's called mm -hmm. 21 Steps to Empowered Emotional Savvy, and you get access to some videos. The second level, you get all of that, but you get access to a lot of videos, my FAQs, uh, frequently asked questions, over 150 mm -hmm. of them. You get access to my webinars, and you get access to one live webinar a month. And oh. at the third level, you get all of that, plus access to two Ask Me Anything group calls with me each month. Yeah. Oh, great. And there's also Q&As. Is there Q&As with that one as well? Oh, yes. Everything yeah. is. Everything. Every, you know, everything, as you yeah. go up, you get everything below. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of yeah. Q&As, I bet. Oh, yeah. well, you offer so much value on your site. I am just amazed that you, do, do you have any playtime? <laughs> because you just <laughs> offer so much. You're a wonderful yes, resource. Yes, I have lots of playtime. But remember, Joyce, I've been doing this for a long time, so I didn't <laughs> sit down and do it in a week. <laughs> I've been doing this for years and years. So, yes. Oh, and and yes. I love making well, video. I love being on video, so that's playtime. Oh, do you? Well, mm -hmm. it has been such a treat to have you on my show today. I know that my listeners have benefited greatly from hearing you. They may have seen themselves. You have answered some questions for them, helped them begin their decision process. Um, but I do appreciate so much that you agreed to be on Second Wind today. So thank you. Thank you so much, and thank you for bringing so many wonderful topics to light, Joyce. Yes, my pleasure. So as we get ready to say goodbye for this week, I want you to reevaluate yourself. Look at where you are in your relationship. Is it what you thought it would be when you first started that relationship? And if it's not... Why isn't it? What is the issue? Where are you? Where is your partner? And maybe you need to take a look at one of the opportunities with to work with Dr. Roberta Shaler on her website. So I encourage you to go to her website, look at what's available there for you. Because as you could tell, this lady knows what she's talking about. And she has a wonderful heart. And so that's what I'd want 
in a therapist, for sure. I need heart with whoever I'm working with. So I ask and really encourage you to do that. I want to close today with one of my favorite quotes, and it's by Edward Teller. And no matter what your situation is, I think this is a great one to rely on. And this is it. When you get to the end of the light, you know. And it's time to step into the darkness of the unknown. Faith is knowing that one of two things shall happen. Either you will be given something solid to stand on, or you will be taught how to fly. I hope you have a beautiful week, that you do your evaluation, and that you plan to be with us next week as we continue helping you through your second wind. Thanks for being here today. Joyce Buford returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com.